Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ho, ho, ho. It's Christmas night. Guy Haberman here. Guy Solo on the podcast after the 49ers just lost to the Baltimore Ravens. Got their butts kicked. 33-19, to the final score. Felt like they might score near the end of the game, make it a seven-point game. Kyle Shanahan was not going to go for the onside gig if it happened. It didn't happen, but I was thinking, this team does not deserve to lose by only seven points. And what does it mean? It means a week of questions. Did the Niners get exposed? Did Brock Purdy get exposed? I think more fundamentally what it means is they got to keep playing everybody. They got to keep winning games. They've got to go to Washington. We'll see what the health of the team is like. Trent Williams said he's going to be okay. But they got a patchwork offensive line when that game ended. Brock Purdy got another stinger. He's fine. He could have returned. Okay, why does he keep getting stingers? But fine, we'll ignore that for a second. Juwan Jennings, Ray Ray McLeod, like they're just, they could use rest. And because they lost to the Ravens, they could have lost to the Ravens 33-32. And I think less people would have, would be freaking out after the game. But either way, you lose that game, it just means you got to keep winning. And that's the case now. They've got to stay ahead or they've got to stay even with Philadelphia. They're still in good shape, as we knew they would be, even if they lost this game. They're still in good shape when it comes to the Lions because this is an AFC loss, a third AFC North loss by the Niners, Browns and Bengals. But it's an AFC loss, so they're still two games ahead of Detroit in the NFC wildcard. But now they're tied with Philly. That's it. And so they've got to win. They've got to win out. Philadelphia's schedule is beneficial. They play the Cardinals. They play the Giants. Um, so you've got to expect that they're going to go 13-4, and four, and you've got the head-to-head tiebreaker. As long as the Niners tie with them, that's fine. But that's what losing to the Ravens means. Um, you know, did they get exposed? My answer to that is no. I thought they lost the game because their quarterback threw, their starting quarterback threw four interceptions. It was going to be really hard to beat the Ravens with four picks. Um, this was a Ravens team that came in running the ball more than anybody in the league. A Niners defense that's seen the run less than any defense in the league. So I was concerned about their ability to stop the run without Eric Armstead. They got Hargrave back, but he's a better pass rusher than he is run stuffer. But they were fine. They didn't get exposed. Let's go through it. Did they get exposed by the run? No. Did they get exposed by the pass? Lamar was 66% completion uh, for 252 yards. I, I haven't seen the, the official drop numbers, but it felt like they dropped the Ravens receivers at least three balls. He should have been, you know, 26 to 35, which would have been 74%, and maybe that's 270 yards. But you throw in 45 rushing yards, and he's over 300 yards of total offense. He's legit. I mean, he might have just won. He might have just won the MVP on Monday night. Um, but I didn't think they got exposed in the past game. Actually, you know what? I'll say this. I think they're secondary, and this isn't breaking news because I've said I think they're going to win the Super Bowl, but 
you know, I didn't watch that game going, oh, Ambry can't do it. You can't do it with Ambry. You can't do it with Lenore. You can't do it with Ward and that group and Jair Brown on the back end. Gibson had a couple of bad. Gibson didn't have a great game, but um, I think secondary is fine. Linebackers are fine. Pass rush. I thought they created a lot. Of, I, again, not seeing the final pass rush numbers or, you know, whatever those stats were, but they created pass rush. They had two sacks in the game against a guy that's, that's hard to sack. And, um, you know, against a lesser quarterback, they would have had more sacks, but they're playing Lamar Jackson. Jair Brown came off the edge, thought was going to get him, stepped out, big run. Chase Young came around the corner, thought was going to get him, big run. It looked like their defense was going to fall apart um, as that game wore on and it, the offense stopped doing anything. They started getting gashed on defense. But then they actually kind of reeled it back in and kept them in the game. The defense kept them in the game repeatedly. Red zone stops. Um, late in the game, they got a couple stops. They got one big stop, actually got the ball back and gave them a shot. They they had a chance to cut it to seven with two minutes left. So, you know, 33 points doesn't look great, but field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal. I mean, Justin Tucker had to make four field goals today. So... I thought their defense, all things considered, they were not the problem. You throw four picks. Let's talk about the did Brock. Okay, so there's question number one: Did the Niners get exposed? I think there'll be a lot of that this week. My answer to that is no. Um, what is clear is that their offensive line depth is non-existent. They cannot function without Trent Williams on the field. And, you know, Trent goes out. Then Jalen Moore gets a concussion. So that's, you know, that's a double whammy. But they they just, they really struggle to function. And it was going to be extremely hard for them in this drop back game, down by three scores, down by two scores with that offensive line to come back. And they didn't. I mean, it's part of why they didn't. They they couldn't do it. Um, But, you know, so, that, so that's the one area. But that, that area has been an area of, like, we've known that. You know, I think a few people on the live stream afterwards, this is not duplicate audio of the live stream, by the way. Um, a few people on the live stream afterwards said they thought they looked soft. I disagree. I didn't think they looked soft. They ran the ball. They stopped the run, you know, reasonably well. Like they didn't get, they weren't getting their ass kicked in the run game. Um, so I, I didn't think they looked soft. Now, there were a couple moments where it turned on them and they gave up a quick score. They gave up the quick score after the pick on the next play. I thought, by the way, it was going to be hard to overturn whether or not Trent Williams forced a fumble on Roquan Smith on that fourth Brock Purdy interception. I did think the ball was coming loose uh, before he was down and that Trent Williams might have gotten that fumble. You know, they looked at it. They confirmed it, they said. I, I don't know that that was the wrong call, but I did think the ball was coming out. But I didn't think they were soft. Um, did Brock Purdy get exposed? I got to tell you, again, my answer to that question is no. I did not think Brock Purdy was exposed. Did he play a terrible game? Yes. Is the blueprint now out? I don't think so. Um, let's talk about the interceptions. Two of them, boy, when he throws picks, he throws like, we we'd have a time if we got together and like let's 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 make a list of his five worst interceptions. 
like his five worst interceptions are so much worse than the next five interceptions. Uh, the first interception might have changed the whole game. Now, they weren't out of it. They eventually get a safety, 2 nothing, field goal, 5 nothing. so whatever. But baby zone interceptions, as we like to call them on this show, going back to something that Rich Gannon said years ago on a broadcast, he said that uh, uh, he had a coach once who used to say that, and the, we guessed it was Gruden, but he had a coach who used to say something like, uh, the saying was something like, better to, uh, like, better to die an infant then turn the ball over in the red zone or something like that. So that's why we call it the baby zone when you have an interception in the, uh, in the red zone. Uh, inexplicable. I mean, you just don't see him. It was, it, it was as weird a pick as the pick he threw after what turned out to be the concussion in the Minnesota game. I think it was even weirder, the Kyle Hamilton pick in the end zone. Like how, how did he, Aikman's assessment of it was he was, Purdy was late on the throw, but I, I you know, how did he not see Hamilton coming? Give Hamilton credit. He's a good player, clearly excellent player. But that one was crazy because it was first down deep in the red zone. And when you watch the 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 uh, goal line or the, um, uh, uh, the view from behind the end zone, it was like way too open. Like no way he's that open right there, right? It looked like if he's trying to get that ball to him and he doesn't see Kyle Hamilton, well, he thinks Debo is way more open than he is. Now, by the time you're listening to this, maybe he's given the explanation on it, but that one was terrible. That one was terrible, not because the throw itself was bad, but the situational mistake was humongous. And, you know, we know this team loves to play from ahead with, with touchdowns. They played from ahead, but kind of, you know, a, a five-point lead is early in the game. It's technically playing from ahead, but one touchdown wipes it out. Um, so that one was bad. The second pick was deflected at the line of scrimmage, popped up in the air. You know, that one's bad in the context of when you have four and that's one of them. Oh, but that one in and of itself wasn't, uh, that didn't expose Brock Purdy. Okay. On to number three, third pick was one of the most insane interceptions. Not that he's had a ton, but it's one of the crazy interceptions you'll see because there's flags everywhere. And maybe it's and they're definitely going to be against the offense. And he played that sucker out like he had a free play, tried to rolls right, throws it back over the middle, into traffic. Ball gets batted up in the air, picked. And I guess you could argue, well, he didn't know all those flags were against his offense, but it was pretty clear watching the play that like it was going to be against the offense. I think Buck might even said it during the play. Like, oh, this is coming back. And you could argue, well, you know, that's a, you're asking a lot for a quarterback to know those flags are down. And that's probably true. But, you know, a quarterback knows when the flags are up on defensive offsides when they have a free play. Now, that's all in front of them, so that's different. So maybe it's unrealistic to expect that he could know all those flags are around. But, God, there were a lot of flags. And he treated it like he had a free play when it was really a free play for the defense. So that penalty, that that interception was terrible. But it is like we know that's in his blood. We know Purdy loves to roll right. Hell, he'll do it sometimes left, but he loves to roll right and throw it back over the middle. He'll just do it. 
He does it consistently, successfully, sometimes, mostly, but also sometimes unsuccessfully, and a few times with disastrous results. And um, that time with, you know, a disastrous result. So that was interception number three. Uh, interception number four was a disaster, but, you know, his arm was, it looked worse live than you watched the replay and saw that his arm got hit and you go, all right, fine, you know, terrible, but fine. And really like <clears throat> these interceptions came at times, the first three picks came at times when, uh, you know, they were still in it. They were very much in the game. The the ball that's batted up in the air, that's interception number two. Baltimore scores it's 10 to 5. All right. Whatever. Fine. You know? So the the fourth by the time they were down 12 when he threw the fourth interception. I'll tell you this. If your guy throws three picks, no, they were down eleven. They were down eleven. After the third pick, if your guy throws three picks and you're down at 11, tell me what you think. I think you're lucky if you're only down 11 after your quarterback's thrown three interceptions. The fourth one came right after Baltimore made it 23 to 12. Niners were, you know, the four interceptions is to me the fundamental reason why they lost that game. Sometimes people say, like, it's not that simple. No, it was that simple. It was that simple. That thing snowballed on them. Four interceptions. Now, they did plenty of other stuff that was unbecoming of a championship team. Like, you just don't, you know, all these little things that you go, even if you don't throw four picks, if you just throw one pick, you still might not win the game. Because you did a bunch of other little stuff that was just bizarre. Ronnie Bell dropping the punt return after the safety. You know, that drive started at the 21-yard line. And it probably should have started at, like, the 35. And maybe he was a little lazy because he thought it was OB out of bounds. He was on the sideline. There was so much room in front of him. Maybe he looked away. But there's no excuse. I mean, it was it looked like a lackadaisical return. Um. They had injuries. Trent Williams groin. Jalen Moore concussion. They had like multiple bad penalties. Gibson was was not great. Wishnowski, a late hit out of bounds. Not not acceptable. Like oh, by the way, on a big on a pretty healthy return. They had a ball punted. Wishnowski had a great punt down to the you know, like five-yard line. I don't... Can somebody explain this to me? Can anybody who has played special teams explain this to me? Why do the guys, on the specifically on the punt return coverage unit, why is there always a rush to, like, be the guy that hovers around the ball, hovers around the ball, hovers around the ball, and touches the ball? You don't, you don't get any credit for that. You don't get a fumble recovery or some weird stat. There's no... They don't give out a championship belt to the guy that has the most punts downed. I don't think they do. If they do, you should filter these out. Niner, I think it was Jeremy 
uh, McNichols touches the ball as it's rolling at the five and it's rolling at the four. Now, look, I've had people tell me like the gunners, like it is so hard. You're trying to find the ball and then you, but it's not just him. Everybody around the sport does it. They gather around the ball and then someone's got to be the guy to touch it and they don't wait for it to roll dead. Anyway, that's not, it's nothing to do with this game, but it's always driven me crazy. And then seeing it on Monday night when the ball got touched, picked up, made no sense. Maybe it was a mistake. Yeah, prize picks is where it's at. Prize picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 5 million users. I've been using it and telling you about it for months. It's the most fun and exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favorite sports and players. We're not going to talk about my Otani less season long pick quite yet on his home run total. You just pick more or less of two or more player stats for a shot to win up to 100 times your cash. For example, this week on Prize Picks, you can go Anthony Edwards more than 29 points and Nikola Jokic more than 10 rebounds. Playoff time's the time to join because star players mean more on Prize Picks. Keep an eye out for the starred players on the board and you could receive a 10% payout boost if they're in your winning lineup. So right now, download the Prize Picks app and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize Picks, code HAM50. First deposit match up to 100 bucks. Price picks. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at Butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it. Four years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you... Free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park, been there a million times, never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app, your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So, you know, did Brock lose the MVP? I, I tweeted this, not tweeted it, I didn't tweet it. I did a video about it. I went back and looked a while ago at a uh, MVP stat after Dak got blown out by Buffalo. How many guys have gotten blown out in December and still won the MVP? I went back to 2000, and the answer was none. Now, what's a blowout for my purposes as I went through it? More than a two-score loss. So, you know, more than 14 points. Uh, and at one point tonight, I, I said, well, you know, MVPs don't get blown out in December. And then the 49ers didn't, by the box, if you watch the game, you know they got blown out. But by the box score, they, they lost by 14 points. That said, uh, even though it didn't fit that, that um, criteria of uh, losing out on the MVP, I think we all, I, I definitely had a feeling like Brock had to be perfect. Um, not perfect in the game, but you just, he had so much going against him in the sense that he's so new to the party that he was not going to be able to have a game like this and, um, and win the MVP. And, you know, regardless of whether his team lost by 14 points or 15 points or 21 points or 13 points, Four interceptions in prime time against the best team in the AFC is uh, going to cost you the. It's going to cost you the MVP, especially when the quarterback in the other team looked like, you know, looked like an MVP. Um, now people are saying Lamar won the MVP on Monday night. I've said it, like might have won it. I guess I. It's such a weird MVP year, but I know that that cost Brock. That definitely cost Brock on Monday night just because he needed uh, – and he could have won it, I thought, against the Ravens, but whatever. So then Darnold comes into the game. There's there's two types of benching, right? There's I'm pulling you from this game. And then there's what happened to Brock, which is you could keep playing, but we are keeping you on the bench. And that's the kind of quote-unquote benching, if you even want to call it that. He got hurt. Their offensive line was, uh, you know, a shirt with holes in it. And uh, they didn't want to put him back in the game down three scores, which I su I supported that decision. Then Darnold, you know, as he's in the blue tent, Dar Darnold leads him on a touchdown drive. Looks sweet, kind of slinging it around. Looked intriguing, if you will. And um, then they showed him on the bench. And it looks like Brock's saying, I'm good. And Darnold's like, so are you back? Or, you know, Darnold's like... <laughs> I think I got this, man. And uh, Brock says something to Brian Greasy, the quarterback's coach, and uh, you can kind of tell what Brian said. He's like, oh, well, you better go talk to Kyle. So then Kyle, smartly, because he knows I'm watching, covers his face with the play sheet uh, so we can't read his lips. But you could tell what he was saying was that we're, we're going with Darnold. And Brock's like, okay, I get it. And he, he did get it. Uh, I don't think it changes anything in terms of Brock Purdy. Um Darnold is intriguing. I, I would have loved for the Niners to have had the one seat on ice by week 18 and seen Darnold play four quarters against a Rams team that really had to win the game or has to win the game. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but I don't think it, I don't think what happened on Monday night affects anything with Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy's job security, any of that stuff. Um, at the end, you see Darnold's arm, but Brock's mental processing power is why he's in the position that he's in. And um, he still is the best processor 
He's better at it. He's better at it than a lot of guys. It's why he can play with less than elite arm strength. Um, I don't understand the debate about Brock's arm. It's clearly strong enough. But it is dependent. Like, that arm on a guy without Brock's processing, mental processing speed, would work a lot worse. Would not be as good. It works because of his ability to throw with anticipation, and I would say his guts to throw with anticipation. So it's hard to judge Darnold on that sack he took on the goal line under two minutes left. As I said to start this thing, Kyle was going to, Kyle was not going to onside it. And they got in a tough spot when they tried to run it in. They don't get it. The clock runs. Then they go, okay, well, our offensive line, we're not going to be able to get the push. We're not going to run the ball again because if we don't get it, the clock's going to run again. So let's throw it. And Darnold did, you know, it was inexcusable. He takes an awful sack, knocks them way back, and the clock's running. It was a complete disaster on a sequence that could have got you within seven. So I know it felt like you're playing with house money there if you're Darnold, but there is no world, even if, even if, and it's it wasn't, but even if there was a thought in Kyle Shanahan's mind about replacing Brock Purdy with Sam Darnold moving forward, which again, there was not. But even if, the mistake that Darnold made taking that sack on the goal line would have knocked that thought out of his brain. I know, I know it felt this is all just gravy now, house money. But you had a chance to get it to seven and you take that sack. It's just, that's inexcusable. You, 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 inexcusable. It's terrible. It's awful. And then I'll add, I think Darnold's intriguing, and that offensive line dug him, did nothing to help him in that situation. But you just, that's, you can't have it. You cannot have that happen. And, um, you know, I think that's an example of part of the reason why Brock's in the position that he's in. And maybe it's part of the reason why, maybe it is a window into, and I like Darnold, but maybe that is a window into why Darnold's career is, you know, has gone the way it's gone, that that particular situation. So, um, you know, I, I, I did think the other thing that kind of showed itself in this game, and this offense, it's clear, it's not debatable, it's much better with Brock Purdy in charge of it than uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. But, you know, the, the, the thing I've said for a few years about the Niners offense being like the old Pete Carrill Princeton basketball offense, for those of you who don't remember that, not old enough to understand that reference. It was an offense that was really dependent on a lot of things going right. Back screens, sharp cuts, chest passes, um, all to create these backdoor cut layups. And it, it was a sequence of events that you had to string together. And that's what I always said the Jimmy Garoppolo offense was like with the Niners, that if you're down and you need a big play, you're not going to get it. You're going to have to instead pick up four first downs and run eight plays in a row or nine or ten and get a score that way. And that really puts you at a disadvantage when you're down multiple scores or when the clock is against you, that sort of thing. And um, even though this offense, you know, th this is where the statistical defense, I understand why people get a little frustrated with all the Brock, with like if you're, I, I, you know, 
if you're quote unquote not anti Brock, but if you if you think that the stats that make him look depending on how you arrange them, like one of the best or the best quarterback in the league. If you think that's misleading, and I've used a lot of those stats, and I think a lot of them are relevant, and I do think they are representative of a guy who's been a really good player, excellent, one of the best quarterbacks in the league this year. Um, But I do understand some people who go, wait a second, but it doesn't always match what it looks like. I do understand that. Like, I don't think those people are just, sometimes they get dismissed, like just haters, and I don't think that sometimes that's the case. Maybe mostly it's the case, but it's not always the case. I do think there's a place for for that take and that take to be a reasonable take. And I think one of the areas where it shows itself, and maybe it's a result of more the offense and the receiver types that they have than it is Purdy, but whatever it is, they still don't hit home runs in that way. Like, I know it's 10 yards per attempt. And I know that's number one in the league. And I know they hit more big plays by percentage and all that stuff. All that stuff's legit. I'm not dismissing it. But most of those plays come over the middle of the field where if it's going to turn into a touchdown, you know, Brandon Ayuk had a bunch of big plays, several big plays. Brandon Ayuk was a stud, by the way. He had six catches for 113 yards. Kittle had huge plays. He had seven catches for 126. But if those are going to be touchdowns, you're going to have to run through like three guys, four guys, five guys. It's just it's not what it is. So I think where those home run plays, they get home run plays kinda. Um, but if it, are they home run scoring plays, not as much, right? And you could give me the stat that says it happens, but I do get what people go, wait a second. You know, when you need, you're down three scores, you gotta hit bang, go, hit it over the top. What do you do? And that's where DK Metcalf or you know, definitely Tyreek, who's a, you know, you're not duplicating that guy's uh, Justin Jefferson, uh, Diggs, right? Guys who you can throw 50 50 balls to. Like, let's just, you run a go route, we're just going to chuck it, go get it, right? That type of play. Um, the, the type of play that, you know, that's the type of play the Niners just don't, just don't have in their offense. And uh, I think that's the play that people are talking about when they're like, wait a second, you're telling me it's 10 yards per 10. You tell me you got all the big plays, but I don't, I don't see a quick strike. And I think that's what they're talking about. And they still don't have it. And, you know, uh, they're great playing from ahead. And they don't need it. They can win the championship without it because they do other things that other people don't do. You get the ball to Debo in space. You get the ball to McCaffrey in space. Those are higher percentage plays. You make space for Ayuk. You make space for Kittle. Those are high percentage plays. Those are higher percentage plays. Those 50-50 go balls can get you into trouble too, right? I mean, uh, you see it cut both ways. Like the Cowboys are an example. Dak hits that play, but he also throws a pick on that play. Stafford historically. Um, not that anyone's holding Joe Flacco up as the example of the guys that hit all the big plays, but Flacco the other day, Sunday, hit a huge play to Omari. Absolute skyscraping rainmaker from the clouds dropped by the gods into Amari Cooper's hands. Like two series late. It wasn't that much later in the game. He threw another 50, 50 D ball got picked. So, so it cuts both ways, but I just, I, you do see where like Monday night's a game where they don't have it. They can't do it. They don't do it. And they still, oh, that's full stop period. 
doing it their way, they still almost got back in that game, which was crazy. So, you know, big picture, focus on the injuries, get healthy, got to finish out the year, get the one seed, get the bye, be in good shape, get two weeks to prepare for the Super Bowl. If that's Baltimore, you can get them. You can beat them. They can kick your ass again, but you can beat them. I I do I I don't look would I be looking at the Niners differently if they'd gone and beaten the Ravens today 33 to 19 and they were 12 and 4 and the Ravens were 11 uh sorry and the Niners were 12 and 3 and the Ravens were 11 and 4 uh what would we say they're guaranteed to win the Super Bowl now? No, we wouldn't say that. I mean, you'd feel a lot better about them. Maybe Brock would be winning the MVP. But it wouldn't change the work that is still required ahead. So, uh, bad, bad game, bad loss. Great win for the Ravens. Really impressive for Lamar's career. And, you know, if he gets another MVP, all that stuff. But I don't think they were exposed. And I don't think he was exposed. I didn't do a Tito's toast today. Tito's toast to you. You made it this far. Okay. So go check out the YouTube, share this with somebody you love or somebody you hate. Appreciate you guys. And I'll talk to you soon. Later. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.